1: Hey, welcome back to Surf Splendor. I'm your host, David Scales. I will keep this introduction short and sweet. as um, There's a few listener emails and that sort of thing that I would like to read, but I think I'm going to read them during the show with Scott so that he can hear them too. Um, So I'll just keep this strictly business. Follow us on social media at Surf Splendor. Our website is surfsplendorpodcast.com leave comments there about um, any show that you listen to we've gotten a few uh, comments recently or quite a few comments recently actually with recent shows seems to be getting more and more active that section of the website as has um, iTunes with reviews and ratings that is a real good way to help us grow our show it uh, I'm not sure exactly how they of iTunes algorithm for how they uh, promote shows, All I know is that if you rate and review ours, it seems to increase listenership. So we encourage you just to rate and review the show if you like it. And uh, thank you for those who have done that recently. And I believe that is all. I will be back at the end of the show to sign us off. But until then, enjoy Surf News with myself and Mr. Scott Bass. Thanks.
0: Down the line, Surf Talk Radio, Scott Bass and David Scales with you here on February 18th. It's a Wednesday in Southern California, and we're broadcasting from the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center in San Clemente, and David, good morning. Good morning. I love the
1: uh, pronunciation of February, by the way. That was perfect. (laughs) It's so uncomfortable to say properly. Yeah. I hate saying it correctly. Yeah February
0: February
1: uh, You're looking sharp today, dude Oh, thank you Got your haircut Got your spectacles on Yes, sir Got your weird little vest and your button-up shirt <laughs> <laughs> Weird little Buster Brown vest Looking good I expect this to be the sharpest show that we've ever produced Based Uh-oh. on based on the way you came today All right. I told well, you to bring your A-game Yeah And well, you did
0: I have a meeting later today, so I uh, had to dress for the occasion I see um looking good thank you thank you so much. dude yeah. i got some stuff we need to catch
1: up on from our last show
0: all right well let's get right into wanna it want to get right into it yeah let's get right catch into up it downline surf talk radio we're getting right into it um so
1: i did an episode last week with Tori meister i don't know if you know he ruptured his spleen at Backdoor in november took off on a wave at Backdoor, like a massive um Uh, like double overhead set wave kind of free fall dropped, landed on his stomach and like a massive belly flop basically. And it ruptured his spleen. He went in, people die from it, from bleeding to death and he got it all sorted out. But, um, in the show, we weren't sure what his ultimate prognosis was going to be, if he was going to have to get surgery or whatever. After we recorded the show, he went to the doctor after like for a two month checkup. And it turns out he got the green light to surf. So he'll be back on the QS this season. I think the Trestles event will be his first event. He's been in the water a couple times this week and uh, slowly recovering. So I wanted to give people kind of the update on that. Tori will be back in it.
0: Cool, well, we wish Tori well. Guys are obviously a red hot surfer, they all are.
1: Um, I noticed too, we have more downloads for the middle of February, just the last two weeks of February, than any month ever previous. So, I think that more people are listening.
0: I think that's um, because of the Firewire interview that we did. I think that the whole Kelly Slater Firewire thing really. Did
1: you get a lot of feedback?
0: Um, yeah, a lot of people listened to it and yeah. a lot of people liked it. So, yeah. um,
1: I noticed after my Chas Smith interview too, and post they posted on Beach Grit that got like a bunch of new. Oh, downloads, and so you probably got so, some.
0: And then the very
1: next one was the Firewire. So I was just thinking, considering we have new listeners, maybe we just reset who we are. You're Scott Bass? Yeah. Surfer uh, Magazine? Yeah, I worked at Surfer
0: Magazine for nine or ten years, uh, online editorial director there. Um, and, um, you know, now I produce the boardroom surfboard show, formerly known as Sacred Craft. And I do some other consumer events, including the Vintage Surf Auction coming up here in Los Angeles in oh, nice. September. and. um the boardroom of course coming up in may so that's who i am i'm a lover of surf and uh, just like you and, and all of the listeners so but, we're but here to the, chat
1: your early adapter podcast guide too i mean you started the show in 2005 i think or yeah. 2006 2005 coming up on the 10-year anniversary 10 year
0: anniversary of uh, surf talk radio
1: and then i jumped on your coattails about a year and a half two years ago yeah. Trying to glean
0: some of your glory. <laughs> no, no, no. You uh, make me sound good. You come prepared and uh, it's good stuff. Cool.
1: Um, yeah. Speaking of that that interview, um, the Mark Price one, I got an email from somebody who was saying that we need to talk more about surfboards. Actually, it was on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Frazier Cameron Laurie said, I found the talks about the Firewire construction really interesting. Would be cool to hear more about different surfboard constructions or maybe hear what you and Scott are currently writing. Almost a mini review. Do you guys know anything about the Lib Tech boards? I know they make amazing snowboards, but don't know much about their water boards. What are your thoughts on Lib Tech?
0: I've actually ridden the Lib Techs. Um, I well, rode one in Florida and I, um, in the surf. Okay, And I also rode one in one of the wave pools in Florida. Oh, wow. At Typhoon Lagoon. Huh. A Disney World. And um, I, r- I really actually like, I mean, why wouldn't I like it? But um, they are thinner. What's the construction? The construction's sort of, um, <laughs> what's the word? Um, Here we go again. Proprietary. <laughs>
1: oh, so they don't reveal it. It's a little bit it.
0: proprietary. Okay. Yeah, they're pretty hush-hush about it. Um, I mean, they'll give you some insight into it, but um, the most interesting thing about, uh, or what I find most interesting about the LibTech construction is that Everything about the board's made in the USA. Like, there's not one part of the board, fins, what, like, it's all done in the USA. Awesome. And uh, the mad scientist over there, Mike, who designs the boards, a great surfer and uh, quite a character. And um, uh, you know, I'm a believer. I, I've ridden them and they work good. They're they're pretty thin, mm-hmm. you know, but there's plenty of. Uh, there's plenty of width and stuff so uh, there's some guys I know there's a guy in Huntington Beach Ryan who rips on them there's Ryan Carlson yeah he's a friend of
1: mine he surfs really well yeah he's a good surfer Um, and are they made out of foam though is it poly you don't even know
0: it's definitely got a foam core yeah you know but what what type type. of foam it is and um, you know okay I should know you're always putting me on the spot but that's what I'm
1: saying like this is what happened with the firewire thing I called you out You, you had information but it it uh led to getting Mark on the show, so maybe we do the LibTech episode, too. Um, and uh, so speaking about, though, that, that email or that comment on our website, he was asking what boards we ride and maybe a mini review. What are you riding right now?
0: The board that I'm riding right now, my sort of go-to board in just normal Southern California waves, is a special board. It's called the uh, B-Dog. Wayne Rich shaped me a board. Um, that's sort of a uh, it's sort of a wide-tailed quad thing that quad a quad fin a wider-tailed quad fin with a beaked nose and sort of a really finely foiled rail it's it's a really it's a one of a kind you know mm. it's not a board that that you're going to find anywhere on any racks anywhere you know what size 59 five, 59 five, yeah 59 really fast responsive uh, a little bit wider it's sort of a tweener board you know it's okay. not quite a full fish nose but it's not a pulled in high performance shortboard nose yeah. so it's kind of got this tweener vibe um, which which are generally I'm against the idea of a tweener board because you you generally get you know you you go into it going I'm going to get a little bit of the good out of that and a little bit of the good out of that but you end up getting um, neither hmm. but with this board um, we knew that going in, and so we did some, Some this is sort of version three of it. Oh, okay. And uh, and Wayne just made me this really neat, in fact, I'm thinking about taking it to Indo with me to try it out there, but it is a pretty wide tail board. You don't really need a wide tail board what, in Indo. But what's the tail shape? It's uh, like a rounded square. Okay. Yeah. When are you going to Indo? Uh, sometime in the summer.
1: Okay. So, talking about it's your third version, I think that's something we should point out to listeners, too. Um, hopefully they work with a shaper or they've worked with a shaper repeatedly because I mean, that's really where you get your best surfboards from. Off the rack is fine, but once you develop a relationship with a a shaper who kind of um, is intuitive and understands the way you surf and your needs, they can dial in a better product for you and you're rarely gonna hit that home run the first time out of the gates. But man, having a good board is such a magical experience. I actually have gotten one recently, um, uh, that Roger Hines board. I don't know if we talked about it or no, not, but it's no, kind of similar. similar to what you're talking about. He has a Roger Hines, kind of this old school, uh, North Shore, he's from Southern California, but spent a lot of time on the North Shore, Lightning Bolt and stuff like that. But he's based in um, Seal Beach, Huntington Beach area. And he makes this board called The Thing too. And the one that he made for me or that I have, it's like a 6.0. It's also a quad. The tail's also wide. Sounds pretty similar to what you're talking about. But um, the tail, it's actually more like a, like a fish type shape, but where it's squared off on the points. Rather than it coming to a point in the tail, it's squared. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like two different, uh, I don't know, like a fish basically, but just squared off. I've seen some lost boards that are that way. Some of the Tomos are like that. I'm not they sure sort they of have what fangs almost.
0: Yeah. Like fangs at the end of the tail. Well, no. And then it, they go into a round.
1: Yeah, it's actually a hard edge, like a, almost a hard corner, not a 90 degree angle. Okay. But um but yeah, it's a quad as well and I've been loving the thing, dude. I caught seriously one of the best waves I've caught in a decade at Uppers the other day when we had all that swell. Caught this thing from the outside at Uppers and literally like through the bay almost to the lowers left like it was insane probably did like 10 turns on it like i actually couldn't even paddle all the way back out i went into the beach and walked back down to uppers it yeah. was like the wave of uh of the year for me and it just like i fell in love with that board so i'm psyched on that uh, but like i said it really makes all the like i will go a year surfing just going through the motions and the ritual of surfing but not really enjoying it because i'm just on boards that i'm not psyched on and um and then you get on one like that and it revitalizes your love of surfing
0: yeah yeah for sure getting psyched on a board having a board that's got tons of speed speed to burn and uh makes surfing fun again uh that's you know the thing about the wayne rich board i mean it's five nine but it catches waves insane it's really flat rocker right um and he did some magical stuff so that um, it's flat and catches waves but it goes up the wave face vertically um, you know without a problem like I look there and the board goes there that's right. kind of my you know when I think about a magic board and what makes a magic board it's when it goes where I want it to go sort of effortlessly you mm-hmm. know and generally if you look to that spot on the wave and the board follows you there um, that's a good thing you know and uh, that's what this board does great So,
1: well, that's- I'm also
0: riding an 11 foot Marc Andrini
1: that glider? Single fin.
0: Yeah, the glider I've been riding. It's kind of like a Makaha Point Big Wave um, glider board, but I've been riding that. You've
1: had that for a while though, right? I've seen yeah. that in your truck and stuff. Yeah, 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 that
0: board's been around a while.
1: Well, the talking about the flat rocker on your um, Wayne Rich, this board that Roger gave me, like, it had way more rocker than I expected in the nose because it kind of has a fish fish el- design elements in it, but the rocker in the nose is pretty substantial. And it bothered me when I was looking at it. I'm like, dude, I don't know if this thing's really going to go, but it works beautifully. I don't know. It paddles incredibly well. It's got plenty of um, volume to float and to paddle. But that added rocker, I think, helps do what you're talking about, which is um, get kind of more vertical and fit into the wave face in kind of a tighter arc. Uh, But I was expecting it to kind of push water with all that rocker. You know, so I'm not sure I got to talk to him about that, actually, and figure out what counterpoint design element allows for all the speed and
0: uh, glide. Well, probably the the right, the width, the width and the tail and the width and the tail actually really helps you catch waves, too. Because you think about you're paddling for the wave. And if you have a wide tail, once the wave starts to pick you up, Mm. that wide tail lifts. And when it lifts like that, it pushes you down the wave face. And so Mm. the wider the tail, the more lift you're going to get. And if it's a narrower tail, you're not going to get as much lift as the wave starts to. Right. So wide tail people, a lot of times they attribute, oh, I've got a great paddling board. I don't know what it is with the nose rocker. But a lot of times it's because the board's actually wide in the tail. And that's where you're getting a lot of lift behind the wide point of the board. Uh, getting you into the white face interesting well i posted a photo of this board on instagram
1: a week or so ago when i first started riding it so at surf splendor if you want to see that photo um i got one more email about from remember we talked about fergal smith's uh ireland video series that he does yeah it's called growing his brother kev sent me an email he goes hey um I'm from Ireland. I've been listening to the show this winter and loving it, driving up and down the coast. I was stoked to hear you talk about Fergal Smith's growing series. I'm Ferg's brother and the guy who does all the filming and editing for the web series. It's great to hear you guys support the series. Thanks a lot. Keep up the great work. Look forward to uh, to hear the next episode. I thought that cool. was pretty rad. Yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah. I've got some insight on the LibTech boards here. Oh, um, good. They are closed cell foam construction. Okay. Um, let's see. It says, our exclusive closed cell alloy formula will not absorb water. It's springy like a trampoline, contains up to 50% recycled content, and uses ozone-friendly blowing agents. Um, so this the whole board is quite environmentally friendly as I look over their stuff here.
1: I remember that being their selling point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, They have, instead of the toxic industry standard polyester or epoxy, we use a chemistry that has higher elongation, extreme ding resistance, and responsive rebound. They don't really go into what exactly their boards are made out of. Again, it's proprietary. They just use a lot of marketing lingo, like, you know, this and that. But uh, the boards are all hand constructed in the United States of America, so it's kind of neat.
1: Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Cool, dude. Well... That's all my stuff for catching up from our last show. What do you want to
0: get into? Let's get into uh, the upcoming Snapper Rocks WSL season. I think everybody's geeked out on that. I know I am. Um, I have picked a team. Um, Oh, I set up a fantasy surf club for this show. I signed up for it. You did? Okay. You sent me me a... uh, a request. And so I think yeah. you and I are the only members.
1: Okay. I've never done a club before. I left it public. So I think people, can they just search it and then yeah. join? Yeah. That's the goal. So Surf Splendor is the uh, the title for the yeah. club.
0: So if you want to be in the same Fantasy Surf uh, Club as David and I myself, right? Yeah. Surf Splendor. Go on to fantasysurfer.com. Yep. And click on Surf Splendor. You'll actually you'll go to public clubhouses, I think, and okay. then do a search there. And
1: yeah,
0: and um, my name is Floatergate.
1: Oh, so okay. if you're
0: wondering, um, my team name Floatergate.
1: Oh, so you set up a.
0: I've had the same team forever. So, a club it's, though. No, no, that's my team.
1: Your team. Got my it. My
0: team name is Floatergate. So, when you go to sign up for it, it's going to ask you for your team name or whatever. Right. Or, or like my username. Yeah, my username. I my, username just is, my name. Yeah, so yeah. mine's Floatergate. Got it. And um, I'm in that. I'm in, so I'm in, but I'm also in another great club where we, um, where there's some money involved, mm. which is a lot of fun. Mm. So, the Surf Splendor Clubhouse. I've set up down the line surf talk clubhouses in the past. And yeah. in fact, there's still one that floats that's floating around out there, but, um, I don't put as much energy in it because I'm more geeked on this one where there's money, which brings me to my next point. Okay. That's which it. is fantasy and the complete failure, uh, for them to really kind of upgrade the site. You know, um, they have an opportunity to, to, to do something really neat here. And, um, I've done a little bit of research with some people and they don't sell the site like the site's not sold by their sales staff they're not excited about it and so they're they're uh, sort of missing an opportunity well and their call is look we don't have any money to upgrade it mm. you know and what's interesting about that is that um fantasy sports have has sort of gone through a revolution. Oh, yeah. And Surfer Magazine and, quite frankly, the WSL are missing the boat. And I have an opportunity, or we have an opportunity in front of us, we being the WSL and whoever wants to run with this idea, uh, to, to make some money and to actually get the WSL sort of out of its, um, what we assume to be a fiscal hole, right? It seems... All the rumors are that it yeah. is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... There's sites like fanDuel.com and DraftKings and Fantasy Score, they've changed the face of fantasy sports. Um, the most these popular fantasy sites, they pay out big money, David, to you and I. To right. fans of the sport. They're paying out thousands of dollars every week. And what that does is it gets guys like me viewing the sport that I'm invested in fiscally a lot more. So I'm watch I'm following my team. I'm following it on my mobile device. I'm following it on Hulu. I'm following it on Facebook. I'm following it. Because each and every week, I can make a lot of money. Hmm. And people are making a lot of money. And this... Um, just in a few short years, has really uh, got the attention of some of the big leagues. The NBA is now has now joined forces with FanDuel.com. Wow. The uh, National Hockey League and Major League Baseball have joined forces with DraftKings.com because they realize, and there's a proven stat that there's 40% more viewership when you have a fiscal investment, a fiscal incentive as a player of these games. It used to be, you know, Roto baseball, whatever you played with your buddies. And, you know, at the end of the season, you know, maybe you got a hundred bucks. Right. You know, I'm talking in six months, you know. Um, Well, now after each and every game, you're going to make money with these new, basically the speed of the internet, the speed of technology, things, more devices. They've made it available now so that you can cash in right away. And obviously the bigger pool of money, the more amount of money you can make. So, um... American sports leagues, which have traditionally sort of shied away from quote-unquote gaming, Mm -hmm. have now wrapped their hands around this. They see this as a big opportunity for viewership to skyrocket. And it has, again, the big number that that stoked Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, is a 40% increase in viewership. Viewership. Yeah, Uh, This is a big deal. And this is is where Surfer Magazine and the World Surf League the WSL have dropped the ball, that they right. haven't seen this opportunity, that they haven't upped the ante. And, you know, my take on it is we should be able to uh, make money, you and I, as members of the Down the Line or the Surf Splendor podcast clubhouse after each round. Right. Right. There should be dollars exchanged between you and I. And you know what that's going to do? We're going to be watching. Oh, we're yeah. going to be totally into it. And we're going to be following stats. Right? We're going to be getting heavily invested because the guys that make a lot of money are the stat gurus, yeah. the guys that just play the odds. And these guys are making – there's guys making half a million dollars that are just Joe Blow stat guys like you and me sitting right. on the sidelines with nothing better to do. The day after the announcement that the NBA was joining forces with FanDuel – Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, came out and said, you know what? We think the gambling probably should be legal in all 50 states. And he basically has gone out of his way to say that the NBA and all of the uh, sports leagues should embrace gambling. Because it's happening anyway, and why not get a a portion of the pie. Wow. And that doesn't necessarily mean gambling revenue. It means viewership yeah, revenue, absolutely. revenue through sponsorships. Well, there are,
1: um, gambling sites, of course, for surfing, I think based out of Australia and stuff like that. I've never actually participated. Well, see, there's in a them, difference but...
0: between gambling sites and fantasy sports sites. Of course. And, th- and there's actually been a lot within the last three months, there's been a lot of discussion amongst anti gambling groups and sure. the NBA and these other sports commissioners about, What's the difference here between fantasy sports and gambling? And the fantasy sports advocates are basically saying, hey, look, guys like David Scales and Scott Bass and people that love surfing, they understand surfing. They're experts. They know that a North Swell at pipe is going to be better for the right-handers, so they're probably going to pick regular foots. And so what they're saying is the expertise that you and I have and the expertise that the Joe Blow guy that's studied the statistics on what's going to happen in an NFL game or an NBA game that expertise is what sets us apart from just going, Yeah, I want to bet a hundred dollars on, you know, whiskey red in the eighth race to show. Yeah. You know, that's gambling. But this is actually what they call cash for cash business. And this is where the people at Surfer Magazine and the, um, the powers that be at the WSL have dropped the ball. Now, I hope they hear this, and I hope they pick the ball up mm. and run with it. Because I guarantee you that if they don't, somebody else is going to do it. Yeah. And eventually, they're going to be looking at that somebody else and going, God, why didn't we do it? And it's probably the answer is, oh, we didn't want to lose our job. God forbid we try to do something different. And they're going to fail in that regard. Seems- this, is, this is, in my opinion, I'm going to go out here. Yeah. This is, in my opinion, the savior for the WSL. I like it, dude, stake your claim. Uh, I, I think that Surf uh,
1: Fantasy Surfer, Surfer Magazine's own entity, is the one who would do it. I don't know that the WSL is the right entity You're to do it. You're absolutely right. Because there's conflict of exactly
0: interest, Exactly why the NBA teamed up with FanDuel. <laughs> exactly. There is some separation there, right. and but they can get all the viewership out of it.
1: But Fantasy Surfer is also the original Fantasy Surfing right. club, right. and they've been doing it the longest. This is their opportunity
0: my movers and shakers over there have, have been um, disappointed in the lack of attention given the given to the Fantasy surf and FantasySurfer.com site. And if you look at it, you know, every three years they might do a facelift. They might change the color on it or something, but it's, it's the even, same yeah. old site well, and they are totally dropping the ball here.
1: And they've never had any competition until last year when WSL, formerly ASP, introduced their Fantasy Surf League or Surfing League. And I prefer using that new platform, actually. That one is easier to use. It's more interesting to look at. It's fresh. It's not
0: old. It's not old. Old software. So
1: I've been using both. But I prefer the new one. And so now they have a fire lit under them in that there's well, competition. Well, I can
0: guarantee you there will be competition. There yeah, is going sure. to be a, somebody, a web developer that goes, dude, I do this all day long. I'm going to yeah. make something that blows doors on fantasysurfer.com. Yeah. And we're going to be the one where, guess what? You can come here and make some money. Yeah. And go against your friends. And guess what? Every single round. Yeah. Round one, make money. That's Round the two key. and three, make money. Round four, and and the WSL is going to see the one that's doing the best, and they're going to hitch their horse to it. And it's going to be a great thing for the WSL. It's going to be a great thing for Samsung. It's going to be a great thing for all their sponsors. It's going to be a great thing for you and I. Yeah. It's a win win win. And all you got to do is look at the NBA and and follow their model, or the NHL, or major that's league the thing. Baseball. Now, now the model's already built. Exactly. We just follow. Yeah. Don't need to reinvent. No the need wheel. to lead the market. So
1: here's my question to you: Is you've been
0: playing Fantasy Surfer for some time now? I helped create Fantasy Surfer over at Surfer oh, Magazine. Did really? This was a long time ago. Holy this was cow. when like everyone was on dial-up. Wow. You know. Wow. Yeah.
1: Who would have known that it would become?
0: Well, look, in its iteration now, I didn't really have anything to do sure. with it, but the idea because so, I was playing fantasy baseball yeah, at the yeah. time and we were all playing fantasy baseball. So here's we're like my, why
1: don't we have fantasy surf? Here's my question to you. If you had started betting money back then, all through the years until now Betting money
0: or I'm sorry, playing
1: with cash for cash money. Cash for cash. Right. So if you started um investing into the fantasy surfing thing from day one, would you be up now or would
0: you be down now over the years? Would you have earned more or would you have spent more? Uh, you know, I would probably have lost more. Would you have? Because I hadn't given it the interest. Like when you're just playing oh, because yeah. it's a, it's like um, yeah. office pride yeah, and there's yeah, no yeah. dollars on the mind. I'm not giving it the kind of attention that I would give it if, oh, you mean every round I can win a hundred bucks? Sure. You know, like. But even without your full attention, you still are on the losing end, you think? I will say that last year, um, my league that I'm in on Fantasy Surfer now pays out $100 for each event. Right. I won one event out of what nine or ten events. And how much do you put in? 100 bucks at the beginning. Oh, so yeah, you broke. You put even. in 100 bucks at the beginning. So you broke even. Yeah, I broke even. See, but the entertainment value, is through the roof. Of course, no, I'm not. I'm not yeah.
1: questioning the equitability. I'm yeah. just wondering, like, the are actual, you winning or are you losing? I'm a winner. Are you in the red. I'm claiming or not?
0: A, I'm, a, I'm a winner. I'm an emotional winner. I'm in the red emotionally. I'm trying to. I, well, I'm trying to wonder
1: like or I'm wondering what my track record looks like. I think I do okay, but I don't know if that would translate to profit or not. I never come out like in the top 20%. I'm probably somewhere in like the 30 to 40%. Well,
0: know? there's a real secret to playing the game correctly. Yeah. And I'm not sure I even know what it is, but okay. there are guys that know what it is and I think it has to do with when you pick your eight surfers. Four of them have to be in the top side of the draw, and four of them have to be in the of bottom course. side of the yeah, draw, yeah. right? Of course. But I think that in rounds two and three, they reshuffle based they on seedings. They do. So a guy that's in the bottom half of the draw could end up in the top half of the draw based on the reshuffle. Sure. So you really don't know going in if if you're going to have the guys you thought were in the top half of the draw end up in the top half of the right. draw. Now, I'm not sure about that. That's the one thing I've always had a question about. Like They do, but... But you wouldn't want to pick, let's say... Eight guys in the bottom half. Uh, not, the not
1: necessarily. Like You wouldn't want, let's say, uh, Sippo and uh, Mick Fanning.
0: Right, on, opposite ends of the spectrum.
1: They're on opposite ends of the draw, but they could very well get pitted against one another in round two if right. Nick were to lose round one, right, and Sippo right. And would. Right, because the top seed versus the bottom seed, sort of. Yeah, there's
0: point. a fine line between so, middle of the road guys, right. the eight million, six million, five million dollar guy. If you stack your team with those guys, are you going to be better yeah. than if you stack it with highs and lows?
1: Yeah. Interesting.
0: Well, I've, you know, funny thing last uh, fall, I reached out to the head guy at, at Source Interlink at Surfer Magazine. I was like, hey, I want to talk to you. I've got some big ideas. And this was one of the ideas was, you know, we need to change the way we're doing things at Fantasy Surfer. But he never got back to me. He said that he was going to get back to me. Mm. And I kept reaching out to him and going, hey, you know, yeah. And uh, he never got back to me. And uh, well, it's unfortunate. It doesn't surprise me that Fantasy Surfers dropped the ball because Um, you know, those guys, they, look, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and beat down on Surfer Magazine, but I think I've made my case that, uh, it's going to be exciting when somebody does step up and it's going to happen. It could happen mid, mid season if it's not already happening. Well, if
1: listeners want to be on the early end, kind of of getting ready for that big change, they should join our club going into snapper. Did you, um, watch the Australian open? Of
0: surfing? No.
1: Going into Snapper? I didn't. It's the equivalent to our US Open of lifestyle here that we have. In no wonder I didn't watch it.
0: Uh, Chloe and Dino won. Happy <laughs> waves and skateboarding? or <laughs> Pretty much.
1: But Chloe and Dino won and Laura Enover won. Yeah. And it was highly contestable. Like the waves, they weren't crappy. I mean, they're yeah. crappy for. Are, you know world, what is it world at manly or something it's at manly yeah. but it was the best waves they've had at manly since the beginning of the since they started doing the event
0: yeah. good australian beach break yeah exactly yeah.
1: but i was really impressed by the surfing overall and it got me super psyched for the snapper event
0: there well, was some. Incredible... i sent you a link to the snapper cam did you watch that no the snapper was firing yesterday. oh yeah 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 i saw that so coastal watch my friend ben Matson runs this site called coastal watch it's the right. surf line of australia uh and I just was checking out their snapper cam yesterday afternoon, which is like, you know, nine in the morning, their time. Mm-hmm. And it was looking so fun. And and I'm sure it was just crappy by their standards, but it was four to five feet. And, and the bar looked good. And the guys were ripping. And you could see them setting up the scaffolding for the event. So, yes, I'm excited about the snapper event, too. And quite frankly, it looks as if There's some talk that there's so much swell in the water that it might beat the bar down, right? and it might move a lot of the sand down to Kira, and we might see an event at Kira. Which we would love to see. Those are the best events. So yeah, there's a lot that could
1: change because the event starts, I think, on the 28th. So a lot can change between now and then, but it's looking flawless at the moment for sure. So um, I'm excited. The one thing I'll point out about the surfing at the Australian Open was because it's a beach break you expect guys to come out and fling massive airs and for those aerialists to do really well and to get scored the highest but to be honest there was some incredible power surfing going down that was being scored as high if not higher than the airs and Chloe who ended up winning the event had the perfect blend of both aerial surfing and power based surfing and that made me feel great in the direction that uh, the judges are going I guess where it's like if they were strictly scoring the power, Freddie P's power surfing, then it might be a step back. They scored it highly, but when somebody incorporated an air into the wave, that got scored the highest, you know? So I just thought everything was on the right track. Everybody looked great. Uh, Freddie P, by the way, looked phenomenal. The best that he's ever looked, I put him on my snapper team. Um, Who is
0: on your snapper team? I'd like to know what What are your thoughts on snapper going in from a from a fantasy surfer standpoint? Who are you picking? Uh, who do you see doing? Well, I bought, by the way, a caveat to that. I've also heard that it's important to pick your team with a, you know a real sense of discretion at the beginning of the year because more or less you want to hold on. You don't want to be trading guys sure. in and out because you're going to lose value. right. This is the first
1: time ever that I did not put Kelly on my team at the beginning of the season.
0: Oh, that's a good thing for me. I'm glad you said that. You put him on. I've got Kelly on. I like Kelly because he's not. he's like number four. Yeah. You know, he's a good value. You know, he's going to be there. He's also hungry. It was interesting. This was the first preseason that we never even really talked about him retiring. Right. Like, there was never any discussion. He was just, he was just all of a sudden, he's, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, there was never any. Because he's not going to retire in fourth place. He's going to retire
1: on top. Well, that's the hope, right? We started this conversation six months ago when I said, I hope Gabriel wins so it propels Kelly to compete for another five years.
0: That's you know what I mean? right before you started singing the Brazilian national anthem. I do it recall. Was, I do right. recall that. That's right. That's that's, um,
1: that's sad. So this is the first time I've never put Kelly on my team. I love Kelly, but I'm just not feeling it right now. I got John, John. I got Julian, who I think is in form. Felipe Toledo, which I'm I'm questioning. My you know if it's really good, Kira, I'm kicking him off the team. If it's small and Wendy. He's staying on. Uh, <laughs> Freddie Pataccia as my one goofy footer. Matt Banning, who I've been singing the praises of for two years since we started this show. Dusty Payne, because I needed a low-priced guy.
0: He's a great value. And Mick,
1: Mick Fanning, I think, is going
0: to make a run for it. All right. Well, that sounds pretty solid. I mean, I mean? would I would suggest to you that Matt Banning's rookie season, he's probably in for... Um,
1: Rude Awakening. Yeah.
0: I, I think it's tough to pick a rookie. Yeah, I do does too. does good, you know? But I hitched and I my also, wagon
1: to him two years ago. Right, so you, you can staying. ride the
0: emotional wave into bankruptcy. That's fine. <laughs> but I'm not a big fan of picking rookies. Um, there's always one that shines each year. There's obviously a rookie of last the year. Last year there
1: wasn't. Yeah. Both the, the rookie of the year last year got booted off tour. Who was it? It was Dion Atkinson, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah. Him and Mitch, Mitch Cruz both were the rookies and they got booted.
0: How can you be rookie of the year and get booted up? Like they, shouldn't, yeah. they shouldn't even have it. That's, that's sort of like embarrassing. He charged
1: at Chopu to a third place, I think. That yeah. warranted it.
0: All right. When
1: you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs Free. That's linkedinjobs.com/slash surf to post your job for free. Terms
0: and conditions apply. Who what's your team? Um my team is John John Florence, Kelly Slater, Owen Wright, Julian Wilson, Dusty Payne, who's a great value at 3-5 based on what he did in Hawaii, and Mm -hmm. he's sort of come back. Adam Melling, CJ Hobgood, who's like just CJ $3 million is an insane value because he's so friggin experienced right like you know going into an event at Snapper this is probably his 13th one or 15th one or whatever and it's not he's like whatever I've been doing or can you imagine if you're Matt Banning and you're going up against CJ Hobgood? you're just like oh shit well, this is my I first hope, this I hope is my they first. match up so badly
1: so that we can like settle this dispute. <laughs> okay. There's no dispute. Matt
0: Banning's There a is rookie a rookie. And CJ Hobgood is an experienced guy that's proven assault throughout See, you know. I, and, and Jeremy Flores. So I got CJ, okay. I got Jeremy Jeremy's Flores, which I don't like. I, I have a problem putting him on my yeah. team. Um but for I you know I had a three million dollar pick. I sure. had to pick somebody. Now, could I throw Dane Reynolds in there right now as a wild card? And I'll tell you what, here's my thoughts on Dane Reynolds. Normally, nine days out of ten, I'd say keep that guy off your team. But now that we know that Dane Reynolds is pregnant, and now that we know that Quicksilver's sort of toiling, and now that you get the sense that it's about this time in his life when he might change gears a little bit. He's got a mouth to feed, he's got a kid to look after, he's got a wife to deal with. Yeah, he's got a future that doesn't include Quicksilver. If it does, he may probably, or may not. Yeah, but we he probably know. doesn't even want it to because. They're sort of on the outs, at least culturally. Um, could this be the 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 fire mm. underneath Dane Reynolds' feet that gets him to go? You know what? <laughs> the now- fire in his increasingly sized belly. Now it's t- yeah. Now it's time to you know get the cores light going, I lose a few pounds, and make a name for myself in the competitive arena. Yeah. All of my heroes, Kelly Slater, Tom Curran, have been world champions. Mm. I'm assuming those are his heroes. Mm. You think they are Tom Kern and Alex Slater? Yeah, for sure. So those guys have been world champions. Now it's my time. My me being Dane Reynolds to to step up competitively. Yeah, we've proven he can be competitive. I mean, he was in the NSSA as a kid. He's not just some guy that's never put on a jersey. He made a lot of quarters when he was on tour. Exactly. All the time. Exactly. So So it's just a matter of focus, right? But I yes, I
1: love it. I hope that he returns to form. I'm not convinced that he I'm not can either. Can either. I'm
0: not either, but I'm I'm saying to you that if he's going to, yeah. it seems like all this of the, the stars time. are aligning for that to happen.
1: I agree. And especially if it's pumping Kira, I think he would do really, really well there. But I will say that I've seen him surf, not, not in person, but just the last few weeks, we've had a lot of swell in California. Rincon's been firing and there's been footage of him surfing Rincon and um, some of the beach breaks in that area. And he's not looking that great, dude. He's, blown out a couple huge turns and a couple huge airs. Is he
0: big like you said? Is he He's get, a
1: little he, bit big, RG? a little bit. Not more than in recent years. Right. More than when he was on tour for sure. Yeah. But That's it's like he saying. does one big turn occasionally and that makes the internet, but the other stuff that I've seen of him just does not look that sharp. It doesn't look tack sharp like it used to. So I'm a huge fan. I want to to love him, but I just he has not I can't I can't help but notice He's not the old Dane Reynolds that we all love, I. But he is an alternate in this event, right? Yes, he is.
0: He's an alternate, and he's available right now to put on your team. So of course, one point five mil. Do I put him on in place of Jeremy Flores, who I think is is done? But given the rest of the three million dollar guys, he was my best choice. Yeah, probably Dane Reynolds instead of Jeremy Flores because I'm I'm thinking why not? Yeah. You know, because what? Well, interestingly, you'll notice from my team, no Brazilians. I have no Brazilians because I think Gabe Medina. A lot of pull on him from the media. A lot of people want a piece of him this year, just like they did at the end of last year. It could wear on him, right? You know, there's there's always a little bit of like a letdown after you've won a world title. Yep. Not too many people go back to back. I agree. Um, everyone's gunning for him. Not the least of which are, are some of his own. Brazilian, uh, absolutely. You know, cohorts including Felipe Toledo. Yep, that's who, been my question. And with, Adriano. So and Adriano's coming I think Gabe's going to fall back a little bit. I'm yeah. not saying he's not going to be in some events and surf great, but I just sense that uh, there's going to be a little know, bit
1: of a hangover. Hangover. World title hangover. Thank you.
0: Yep, I agree completely.
1: I I that's been my criticism or question about Gabriel all along is. There's a tremendous amount of energy and momentum going into this world title. What it takes to sustain being on top,
0: I don't know that he has. It's the kind of thing you can do when when you're eight and not eight and nine years into the tour, yes. when exactly. you're like, you know, you know there's guys that go back to back or are, 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 uh, are guys that um, veterans yeah, on tour. I agree. And the people who are gunning for first place right
1: now are so capable, more capable than ever. the John John, the Mick. You know Kelly,
0: and and again, so. I think there's Brazilians that are chomping at the bit now that the gate's been blown open by yeah. Gabriel. I think there's a lot of Brazilians that are like, I'm gonna take down Gabe.
1: Yeah, I agree. You
0: know, well, let me ask you
1: this um, not to make this show all ASP talk, but you posted stuff about WSL not having an umbrella sponsor for this year yet, Samsung isn't fully signed on. There's a number of events that are. Um, unsponsored still the brazilian event just got dropped by billabong so brazil doesn't have a sponsor J bay doesn't have a sponsor still and then talking about maybe a pay-per-view option that somebody was floating around
0: right well tracks magazine did an article about 18 months ago about the sort of sour state that they assume that the wsl is in financially got it and part of that discussion was just like Look, if they're as bad as we think they are, and they're not really sure that they're in a bad state, but if you look at the landscape, they barely have one sponsor, and the Red Bull f- fiasco, and right. so they assumed that then the only other option is a pay-per-view uh, format.
1: They just floated the idea; nobody yeah. was actually pitching no, it. no, got and, it, got and it.
0: they just floated it out there. And again, this was an 18-month-old article, but for whatever reason, they reposted it on their homepage. Mm. So I picked it up as something fresh. And I sort of ran with it on my social media, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and it got a lot of uh, coverage, a lot of people chiming in. I saw there was like
1: 150 comments. Yeah. I didn't even want to chime in because I didn't want to get attached to that. Oh, yeah. Get get notifications (laughs) every two seconds.
0: Well, I think um, Jim Moriarty, the former uh, uh, director of the Surfrider Foundation, kind of summed up my feeling of it, which is, look, there was like 150 comments. And there was a lot of haters, like, hell no, I'd never pay, you know. Yeah. But what he's saying is, um, I say, I, and this is Jim Moriarty, and I'm quoting Jim here. He says, I say yes. In fact, I say we're already saying yes to paying for content. This is a business model question. Do we want A... A free service with lots of ads and interruptions and ad placement, etc., which is the Hulu model, or do we want B, which is free with all of those same attributes, um, the YouTube model, which is free but there's ads underneath it and whatever. Or do we want we pay, you know either way we're going to basically saying either way we pay with that nothing's free. For some reason, many of you think our time is free, that it's worthless, and I don't. In fact it may be the most valuable thing we control. YouTube, the free option that many pointed to above, made over $1 billion last year on our attention and our time. So I say yes, I'm willing to pay. I'm offered a Netflix-esque option at $10 or $20 a year to view all the contests live or on demand, I'm doing that. And that, again, that's uh, unquote, That's quote from Jim Moriarty. And I sort of am, am in line with that. I, I even floated $30. I have no problem paying $30 for uh, a really high quality ad-free option. Now, it doesn't make sense to do that from the WSL standpoint because they're trying to gain eyeballs. They're not yeah. trying to trim, trim crappy eyeballs and keep quality eyeballs. And that's why the thing I talked about earlier on the show, the fantasy sports plan, that model where you're going to grow viewership by 40% this year. Yeah. Um, based on stats that they know are proven yeah, that the NBA signed on to, uh, that seems to be the model to gain viewership and revenue. Here's
1: what I'd like to see. I want to keep the ASP events the same way that they are, where there's ads and we have to sit through the same repetitive ad every commercial break, which is super annoying. But let's leave that and let's introduce a new pay-per-view option, which is there's a pumping swell headed for cloud break. We're gonna send Kelly and John John and they're gonna surf it for four hours straight. We're gonna clear the lineup for them and you gotta pay the thirty bucks, or maybe it's ten bucks, to watch this four hour super session. And maybe we even have judges that score their waves, but it's a four hour event, just those guys going at it. I would pay for that.
0: I, w- I absolutely would, and and I think um... There would be a solid quality, you know, proportion of people that would pay for that. John John gets paid.
1: Kelly gets paid. The web, whoever's hosting the webcast gets paid. We're all paying for it. And the the entertainers get paid for their work. Same as the UFC or boxing events or whatever.
0: And I think eventually, you know, sooner rather than later, there are going to be specialty events just like that. And they're going to be... Underwritten by Hurley mm-hmm. and by the big players in the space. Those, that's when all of a sudden Hurley's like, you know what? I, I am in, I am into the WSL. There's... But it's a specialty event. And by the way, I've been, I've been crowning for that for a long time. Yeah. No, you have. I've been saying, let's have you know my whole thing is kelly slater's number one it's like boxing who's yeah. the number one ranked surfer it's gabe medina yeah okay well then who wants to fight gabe yeah let's get him into the ring together man on man right now and you know what you dethrone him now you're number one and it's kind of like ufc almost yeah we don't want to watch kelly surf five rounds against the bottom seeds no. to get to the good guys let's just How go about two and a half hours at cloud break yeah. with john john right doing things over in half a day yeah and you just nailed it. WSL nailed it. it. The fans nailed it. Everyone nailed it. You know who else nailed it? FantasySports. dot Yeah, they exactly. nailed it, dude. We're the architects FanDuel. of
1: the greatest surf experience ever.
0: Well, if if the um, WSL spirals fiscally, as some have said they are, and sadly some seem to want them to fail, and I don't want them to fail. I want mm. them. I the- want them to. to come it, out on top yeah
1: the internet is catty yeah and so the internet will say that they want him to fail yeah but the individuals behind the keyboards i doubt actually want them to fail
0: no there i, I think the the popularity of fantasy surfer.com proves that um that you know people are into it And right. can you just imagine if every round what about after every heat you could you could i could wager against my buddy not wager wrong term i could have a cash for cash uh what would you call it? Insider trading, uh, <laughs> hedging. I've, I could play a cash for cash game against you, David, yeah. um, in round one, which would be you, you, Kelly versus two other guys. Mm-hmm. You know? And or- I guess the way you would do it is you would take the top seed and the other guy gets the bottom two.
1: Oh, yeah. How about that? Or how about... You're not even watching the event because you're busy, but you get a ping notification from your bank account on your phone saying you just won 100 bucks.
0: Yeah, but we want you're it like, to be oh, more shoot. than that. You well, know, whatever it is. You know? and I <laughs> are going to throw down a grand each. Right. <laughs> whatever it is, it's like, oh, Dusty,
1: the low seed won. Holy crap. Uh, what else you got? Um,
0: Let's see. Bethany Hamilton. Mm. Bethany Hamilton is pregnant. She's going to have a kid. Her and her husband, Adam. Her and have a- her and Dane's kids are going to be besties. Are, have, an, <laughs> have announced? What do you mean Dane's kids? Is Dane kid, having twins? Kid. Um, I'm not sure if Dane and Bethany are going to be birthing at the same time. Right about the same time, dude. Wow.
1: Well, if they're both pregnant currently, it's going to be within a nine-month span of one
0: another. <laughs> I love we talk about Dane as being pregnant. <laughs> I uh, heard a ru-
1: <laughs> rumor mill. Yes. First of all. We're becoming known for breaking rumors on this show. Breaking
0: rumors, it's not hard to break a rumor, let me tell you. Not they, much research required. That's true, but then other sites pick
1: them up and then they become substantiated.
0: By Beach Grit or something?
1: Yeah. No, but they be, we've posted or we've talked about things that then I noticed these other websites. Oh, like
0: The Inertia does the that. The
1: Inertia. We'll t- have this show today and tomorrow. Three things that we talked about on this show will be on The Inertia or on Beach Grit you know, with a firewire situation. But ultimately, it becomes substantiated later, so it's not just rumor. But I know the Bethany thing is not a rumor. It's legit, right? Yeah. Tell me. Yeah, yeah,
0: Bethany and uh, her husband, I believe his name's Adam. Yep. Yep, they put a thing on Facebook they're expecting, and I think that's great. I'm the hugest fan of Bethany Hamilton. Are you? Oh, yeah. She's incredible good she is a great human being and on top of all that she surfs massive pipe that i would never even be seen out in with one arm right she's insane and stomped that air rotation last year that was
1: incredible
0: so incredible she's she you know you could you could argue that she's the greatest surfer in the world could you i could
1: Hmm. lay down your argument dude Okay. John John Florence. Okay. Let me just counterpoint okay, it
0: with good. John John Florence. Okay. John John, we're going to tape your arm behind your back.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, we're going to give you four months to get used to it.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> You're shaking your head like whatever, <laughs> well, Because first of all, that
1: wasn't the argument. You said she's the
0: greatest surfer in the world. We didn't. Take I said, into no, account I said, any variable. I said I could argue that. And in my argument. That she's the
1: greatest surfer in the world. Yeah. So she has to go surf against John John at, at your aforementioned pipeline. With one arm. You didn't say that. No, that's I, not I'm saying it way. now. I'm saying it now. Okay. I'm of saying all, that's it now. That was is said, part of my argument. That was not what was said, but I will accept that challenge as well. And especially with four months. Of practice, I think John John would smoke
0: John it. John also has to strap boobs on. <laughs> He's got to have boobs on with one arm. I think we need to also implant
1: uh, a no zygote more, no more into implants. his belly. No more implants. Well, no, if we're going to make it fair, <laughs> oh, we got to put yeah, a, you're right. a zygote. Right. And uh, he will be pregnant as well. Yes. Junior part two. Um,
0: Dude, Bethany, I've told you the story. I've seen her paddle out at the most hideous... monstrous sunset beach, onshore, 20-knot, hideous, filthy, closing out to chuns, just crap. Yeah, I know, it's crazy. And I've seen her paddle out there with one arm and it was just like mind-blowing. Paddle, duck dive. It's insane to even get in in position. The most incredible current. Yeah. It wasn't even sunset. It was just some like massive washing machine of 25-foot brown crap crumble. And I mean, I wouldn't even have looked at it. I've attempted to, and, and she just... Did it. One yeah. arm and and surfed good.
1: No, I'm a huge fan as well. I don't mean to give her a hard time. I got a question or a little segment for you. Um, Noah Dean, right? You're familiar with Noah yeah, Dean? Yeah,
0: Noah's the guy that got drunk on stage at the surfer pole and spouted off some stuff about screw the WSL or something yeah, like did. that. He yeah. did, yeah. But then he apologized. He did apologize. He has the closing section in Kai
1: Neville's new film, Cluster, yes. which is an important thing. Like he's ripping, of course. He did an interview with STAB recently where he said, they were asking him basically, what's it, What's your life been like since Hawaii, you know? Since you said that, F the WSL. And um, he hasn't had a drink in two months. He said he's basically, everything's been a whirlwind the past couple of years and he's always had a sense of impending doom, like this, great ride that I'm on is going to come to a a hiccup or I'm going to hit a hiccup at some point. And um, he'd been partying a lot. He's always on the road and drinking and just doing the whole lifestyle. But he always sensed, like, I might do something wrong. And he accepts that him saying F the WSL on stage during the Surfer Pole Awards was this hiccup. And he's chosen to kind of reflect on it and Take a break from drinking, buckle down, focus on his career. And he's really appreciative of this Kineville project. And he's going to just try sobriety for a while, which I thought was super interesting and commendable.
0: Well, absolutely. I'm stoked for him. And uh, not
1: a lot of 18 year old kids who would come to that conclusion. No, because that's not hitting rock bottom. I mean, saying F the WSL isn't rock bottom. No, but I appreciate that he's taking a stand on it.
0: Yeah, I think that's cool, you know, and everybody's bottoms can be different. So maybe, you know, maybe the the shame and the sense of um, guilt and stuff, you know, you could argue that maybe that's all it took for him to kind of change his life. And um, I'm stoked for him. I I think we've all been big fans of his surfing. I never really really knew him as a human being until that moment. Right. But. You got to give him a break. I mean, of Lord knows how many stupid things I did when I was 18 year olds and drunk. You yeah. Know? Like the list is endless. Totally. So, um, you know, I, I only wish the best for Noah and um, good for him, man. And I hope more teenagers see and read what you just t- told me about on Stab. and. Um,
1: well, I that's and, what and, I thought was cool about it was... I, he didn't say I'm committing to a life of sobriety. He just right. said he hasn't no, had a drink he's in two he's months. kidding, Australian,
0: I know. You know what I mean? <laughs> he <just laughs> said he hasn't
1: <laughs> had a drink in two months, and the title of the article didn't even have anything to do about sobriety. It was uh, Noah Dean talks post Hawaii and burning too bright. That was the name of the article, right. and um, but I read that in there, so it wasn't as if like Globe and Rusty. His sponsors are like, all right, how do we spin yeah, look, this correctly? Right let's do this thing where he's now on a road to recovery. It wasn't like that at all. It was about other things. And in that article, he just mentioned, I haven't had a drink in two months. And that's kind of what I pulled out of it. Good. So I'm a fan. Good. I think his surfing is incredible. And a lot of people compare him, his style and approach to Dane Reynolds. And then people, of course, counterpoint that and be like, he would never be the next Dane Reynolds. But I would like to point out that he has a little bit of that. You know? Yeah. So
0: It's funny if you think about... The evolution of surfing style. So if you say Noah is the next Dane Reynolds or he pulls a lot of his inspiration from Dane and maybe he looks like Dane, maybe he doesn't, I don't know. Who did Dane look to to get inspiration? You know? Yeah. And always- I always say it was Davey Miller. Like to me, Dane Reynolds looks surfs has a very similar style to Davey Miller, who you may or may not know, but he's an old Ventura guy. He's like yeah. my age, fifty-ish, late forties. Super red hot surfer, um, rode Bonzers a lot. I'm from Ventura, as I mentioned. Miller or Smith? Uh, uh, no, Miller. Okay. Davy Miller. Okay. Smith is from Channel Islands. Santa yeah, Florida. yeah, yeah. No, no, Davy Miller. So, uh, anyway. Th- you know, that's who I always say. Oh, Dane! Dane reminds me of, and so then it's like, okay, well, who inspired Davy Miller? You know, and mm. you could, might, you could maybe—I don't even know. I'm just assuming. Right. Maybe you argue it's Rush Short, you know, from Silver Strand's Oxnard area, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? But uh, it'd be interesting to be able to chain that all together.
1: Yeah, there's always a, I think, a blend of different styles. Yeah. involved, Evolved, you know. Interesting. What else you got?
0: Um, a surfer. Japanese surfer was fatally attacked in Australia and killed by a great white shark. Um, A large 13-foot great white shark killed Tadashi Nakahara, who was 41 years old, surfing off of Shelby Beach in uh, New South Wales town of Belina and uh, tore both of his legs off. And his friends tried desperately to apply tourniquets, but the loss of blood was too great, which is usually how people die from shark attacks is that femoral artery gets gets Snipped. severed and yeah. it's just, that stuff just, the blood just flows. They had two
1: deaths in, in, I think, 24 hours or 48 hours or something. And then they canceled a day of competition at, I think, the Burton Pro because of shark sightings as well.
0: So. Yeah, there's there's been a, I don't know if it's been an increase, but there's been a lot of shark sightings in Australia. Yeah. Super sad. What I about f- Tuh- Tuhiti Huamani, the hmm. pro surfer from. Tahiti, who was uh, injured really badly right. at gum, surfing gums, just uh, just the side of Pipeline. It
1: happened the morning of our last recording, I think. We talked about it a little bit.
0: Yeah, I heard from some friends of mine in Tahiti that um, that there's really a lot, a lot of um, hospital costs that oh, need to be addressed, right. and um, some were suggesting that maybe his sponsors should cover that. And I think, have they set up some sort of a Kickstarter I have, I th- Yeah, I think they have. Um, I using.
1: actually, I got a, an email from a listener who's a Northern California transplant living in Ho- in Honolulu. And he's actually had some insight into this. And he said that it's just super tragic and it's a super serious injury, but he can't be more specific due to HIPAA compliance. I think that this listener might work in healthcare. Um and he basically said that he's questioning surfing without protection, basically, and is it like playing the lottery? Big wave surfing um, can be worth it, but when you have a family that you're taking care of, you gotta question the risk of the things that, you know, guys like Scion and even Shane Dorian, who's got a family, things like they're do- that they're doing. And you see guys on the North Shore with helmets, sometimes surfing at the shallow reef breaks, A lot of the McNamara family wears helmets and the question is just like with this situation could it have been prevented if um, Tuhiti had a helmet on and if it could have been why don't we see more guys wearing helmets
0: yeah you know it sort of just comes down to personal responsibility you know like um, it's a dangerous sport surfing's always been dangerous that's part of its draw part of its allure Mm you know, yeah. Could more people wear helmets? Sure. People don't like wearing helmets. It's a little bit restricting. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it it's interesting, you know. Um Are guys wear, not wearing it because it's not cool? Is that the only reason? Because it's not
1: encumbering.
0: I don't know. I mean, you'd have to ask them, right? I, I, I'm not sure. I used to wear a helmet all the time. In for, California or yeah. elsewhere? No, in California for like three or four Three years, and I, I, I wore a helmet every single session for a long time. Hmm. And I never had hurt. I just did it based on a close call that I had one day.
1: What was the close call? I
0: was just surfing down the line, and some guy on a longboard just bailed his board, and his longboard came back at my head at such an incredible velocity and rate of speed, just barely missing my head, that if it would have hit my head, I would have been dead. And it was enough to make me just go right to my car and go buy a helmet. Really? Yeah, and I wore a helmet for, like I said, three three years, two or three years, no matter what, winter, summer, spring, fall, I wore a helmet. Wow. Yeah.
1: It's amazing that there aren't more injuries actually, especially when you see some of these wipeouts where people just get tangled and it looks like, they could easily land on one another's board or whatever. And people come up all the time and just paddle opposite directions and don't get hurt.
0: I know I've I've had, I had a couple just this, you know, we've had a great run of surf here in California for the listeners. And most of us are surfed out and we caught a bunch of waves in the last week and two weeks. And I had a couple of run-ins like that, you know, where situations where I popped up and couldn't believe that the other guy was okay. Um, His board might not have been okay. Right. But um, yeah, it is, it is, when you think about it, and and we used to discuss this at, at Surfer Magazine a lot, like relative to how many people are in the water around the world every day, there's there's relatively few accidents and in fact, few deaths. Like right. when you think about how many people are facing 15, 12 to 15 foot surf in Hawaii right now this week, yeah. you know, like people just, it's, it's a pretty safe sport all in all. Yeah. You know, it's shocking
1: how not more people get injured. Interesting. Um, I have a question or just kind of a, I don't know, something for you, philosophy to kind of ponder and get your insight on. They did this event here at Shaq last weekend, right? Opening a new exhibit. And I had some friends come to it and one of them who had never been here before, who's a listener of the show, came and he was blown away by the Serving Heritage and Culture Center and all the boards. And there's a lot of these old wooden hot curl boards from back in the day, some of the first surfboards ever shaped and built. And he was overwhelmed by the um, the vibe of surfing from back in the day and kind of Duke Kahanamoku's ethos of like, I'm going to spread surfing around the world. The more, the merrier, you know, come participate in this amazing thing and how different that is from our modern surf experience, especially in Southern California. Where you paddle out and if there's other people, you give them the evil eye and you try to get waves to yourself. And it's just such a far departure from Duke's ethos, you know, and um, he was just kind of reminded of like, wow, I should really embrace more of that original spirit of what surfing was. And then I got another uh, that was one thought that I had one day. The next day I had a, a comment on our website from somebody named Justin who was talking about watching those Fergal Smith Ireland videos and one of the things that Fergal talked about was, look, when it's small, I ride a bodyboard because I surf these slabby wedgy waves that there's too much, you know, curvature in the wave to really surf with a shortboard when it's that small. I just bodyboard it and I have a blast. And this guy, Justin was saying like, that's awesome. We have this ride anything movement why aren't people more open to actually riding anything like bodyboards or even stand-up paddle boards? People don't really ride. There's this kind of, um, I don't know, bigotry that exists in surfing where it's like, if you're not doing what I'm doing, then we can't be cool. Even if you're doing what I'm doing, I'm still going to give you the evil eye and try to get waves. You know?
0: Yeah. You know, first of all, obviously it's really crowded here in Southern California. So, and there's a limited amount of resource waves rolling in and, Um, At the good spots, it's crowded. And um, so, you know, you get that, but you bring up a great point. You know, I often say to myself, how would Duke react if he was here today in 2015, you know, surfing at Newport or whatever? Like, Mm -hmm. would he have the same um, aloha spirit? Right. We don't know. Yeah. You know, um, you like to think that he would. And there are certainly people, surfers uh, in the water that that have captured and 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 manifest that same spirit that Duke had back in 1920 or whatever, which is Aloha and, you know, give and share and stuff. And you get a lot of that at places like San Onofre. Sure. You know, where it's it's way more... Duke's spirit does sort of live on there. Right. Um, and then there's just these highly competitive arenas like Swami's or Newport or wherever, um, Rincon, that... Um, Sort of the ego and the pride really take center stage, and that speaks to why we don't just ride anything. You know, um, if we if we rode anything, we might not look cool, and therefore my ego would be damaged and um, my pride would be hurt because I'm not doing what is status quo, which is cool. There's a lot of ego and pride involved, and you know, it's it's one of the most self-centered, pride-oriented, um, ego-filled activities in the world surfing. I know.
1: Which is the opposite of what Duke Duke was. Exactly. Right. Exactly. It's come
0: such a long way. Well it's way, quite yeah. a paradox, isn't it? It is. And I'm sure that back then there was guys surfing right alongside Duke that were like, Hey, look at me, man. It's all about me, 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 sure. you know? And that's one of the reasons that Duke rose, he's the cream from the crop, you right. know? From the So he rose to the top. So Here's my question to you, though. If you pulled up at one of your local beaches
1: and let's say the waves weren't ideal for surfing, but maybe it was shore break and it would be
0: really rad to bodyboard. I would it, hand plane. I I have oh, okay. a hand plane and fins in that my truck at all times. Okay. And what a great workout. And oh, by the way, you only need 15 or 20 minutes. I only need 15 or 20 minutes swimming around with fins on before I'm tuckered out and I got an insane workout and I'm back to doing, you know, my daily activities, my responsibilities that need to be taken care of. So, and if it was a boogie board, more power to me, you know, like whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm all about that. I think it's a great idea. And, um, and I think there are some surfers, especially down where I live that have that same mentality, you know?
1: Yeah. Interesting food for thought. I just thought a couple of those things overlapped in my life in the 48-hour period, you know, that I thought were interesting and worth discussing.
0: Many times you will you can pull up to a spot. Maybe you've been in this situation where you pull up. The waves aren't very good, but you're like, I got to go out. I just got to get wet. Exactly. And that's a great opportunity to just find a spot that's got a, a powerful little two to three foot beach break. Um, an opportunity for you to body surf and grab your hand plane or your boogie board. Or just body surf. Or yeah, whatever, but yeah. just go get wet in that instead of having to, oh, I'm going to go sit next to this grumpy guy and not really get any exercise. Right. And have some guy give me stink eye and go, blah, 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 you know, and it's like maybe I catch three waves of which none of them were any good. Yeah. Or I can just be on the inside swimming around, hooting and hollering, getting little tubes. Yeah. It's way better use of your totally. time and your energy and your stoke level is going to go through the roof. Like a kid again. Yeah. This guy,
1: Justin, on my, on the website also posted a link to an article that Stab Magazine did, which was called Five Things That Bodyboarders Have Taught Surfers. I'll, I'll read the five things to you. Uh, number one, finding waves, which is that example of like Cho Poo. Um, some of those slabs in Australia, bodyboarders were riding those waves long before surfers because they fit into the wave a lot better. Um, And they don't have to stand up, obviously, and make a drop. Number two was not blowing them out. Bodyboarders are notoriously good for keeping the secret, you know, and hiking into a spot and parking their car a mile down the road so that people don't know where it is that they're surfing. Number three is fashion. A lot of the bodyboard wetsuit brands incorporated color into their wetsuits long before surfers did. Uh, Number four is ride anything, which we already kind of talked about. They have no shame in their game. And number five was actually humility. Bodyboarders tend not to be as boisterous as a lot of the surfers, I guess, in the lineups where they share waves like pipeline in different places that uh, bodyboarders are a little more uh, humble than the surfers. So.
0: Cool. Yeah. Well, that's good. You know, um, I've got some Kelly Slater news. We can't ever do the show without a big chunk of Kelly Slater news.
1: I've been waiting.
0: He's all over the place. I love it. Um... 11 world titles and 11 under par at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. So oh I don't know if you gosh. saw Kelly Slater playing golf this yeah. weekend at Pebble Beach. So The weather was gorgeous. The golf course looked great. It's
1: like a celebrity Pro-Am event? Or yeah.
0: Like- well, no, it's a professional event, but the, it's the one where they do have a Pro-Am right. attached to it. So Kelly played with a professional golfer, oh, okay. a guy, um, Siam, a guy I've never really heard of. Um, and I'm probably butchering his last name, but it's Siam, Marcel Siam, or something like that. But anyway, he and Kelly Slater teamed up to shoot 11 under par. At one point, they were in second place. I think they finished fourth, but I could be wrong. Um, But Kelly was there on Sunday, the final day playing golf, which for a pro-am team, they really cut it down to like the top 10 teams by Sunday. So he got to play uh, all four rounds there in that gorgeous weather. So congratulations on the golf. And then I see here that Kelly Slater and Kevin Ansell, who's a great artist and a really cool guy, um, they are collaborating on this thing called The Pod, and the hashtag is The Pod, and it's their way of paying tribute to the world um, captured in captive orcas. And um, there's a press release out here. They're basically trying to do their best, following up on the blackfish thing that CNN did around SeaWorld, um, basically trying to promote... Um, the health and well-being of uh, orcas around the world. Yeah. And the pod. Hashtag the pod.
1: And specifically what the pod is, is Kelly Slater's quiver of surfboards that we saw him riding throughout the whole winter uh, in Hawaii is has this artwork on it. And it looks like an orca, basically. The outline of the board looks like the outline of a whale, obviously. And there's a lot of black with just the white parts uh, not illustrated that show... The eyes of the orca and the white parts of the whale, obviously. But the black portion is just a repeating uh, writing of people's names who have died surfing. Sion, Miloski, Todd. He has a... So one board is all Scion's name repeatedly, and that makes up the black portion. The next board is Todd Chesser. The next board is Mark Fu. You know, he's got this whole quiver of friends who have died in the surf. And Kevin Ansell is the artist who implemented this. I don't know who came up with the idea, but Kevin did all the names on all the boards. And I guess all the boards are on display at a hotel in Waikiki. So you can go look at the boards.
0: Yeah. The Modern Hotel Honolulu okay, uh, says good. here February 13th. I hope, hopefully it's still available, but it is, I think, um, it started February 13th at the Modern Hotel Honolulu, so. the Sun Suite Terrace there. in, uh, on Ala Boulevard. And, um, the Ruka, uh, guy, uh, PM Tenore, is it, or Tenore? I don't yeah, know how to Pat. pronounce Yeah pat is that it
1: pat his name's pat yeah
0: anyway uh, i'm butchering his name and i apologize but the uh, guy that started ruka yeah the ruka, ruka founder this i believe was sort of um his brainchild al- along with kevin and kelly so um it's, a, and, it's definitely a ruka thing because kevin's sort of a brand ambassador for ruka
1: right and uh that pat tenori guy is
0: not only the founder of ruka but the co-founder in perps with kelly oh really cool i want to try that stuff i haven't we need to get some in here and drink some during an episode. Perps would be
1: the perfect would, sponsor for this show. I would like
0: to be a fan. I want to taste it and see yeah. how it goes down. But uh, yeah. as long as there's no... And I'm sure it's, it doesn't have any of that high fructose corn syrup no. or any of that crap in it. That's the whole thing. Yeah. I want to get some... Where do you get that stuff? There, I guess I could look look online for there's it.
1: There's a place in Huntington near me that sells it. I'm going to check it out. Have you had it?
0: No. waiting for them to sponsor the show I'll buy a case of it if I can get a case of it somewhere and just buy it online and bring it in here and we can I'll pick it up we'll sponsor ourselves I'll bring it to the next show how's that I hope I like it I want to be a fan of it because I'm a fan of uh, health drinks and of Kelly of course yeah Um,
1: do you have musty moments and kooks and dukes and all that jazz
0: Uh, you know I don't
1: but okay I got um, one for you go ahead Musty moment I was watching the awesome Australian Open of Surfing, and one of the competitors that I I was so impressed by, but I've watched him for years, and I've never brought him up on the show, we've never talked about him,
0: nobody seems to talk about him. Are you going to claim him right now?
1: No, I don't think he'll <laughs> ever qualify, but I love his surfing. His name's Heath huh. real powerful surfer. I was reminded of this footage, I'm going to turn my computer. I think so. I've seen this. Is it Bells Beach? No. Okay. Heath Josky surfing Bells Beach. Um,
0: Is he a big two guy? Two years
1: ago. He's not a huge guy, but just watch the lines this dude draws at Bells Beach. Power surfer. Looks yeah. like freaking Tom Curran with a giant beard, but he's a young bloke. He's a sp- big guy, though. Sponsorless. I mean, he's he's not giant, but he's a bigger dude.
0: Yeah. Because um, I saw some recent footage of him, um, I think at Kira or somewhere. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to remember where. Well, Heath
1: Josky's his name. This video, it's two and a half minutes long. It's of one heat that he had at J Bay two years ago in the QS event. He gets a 10. Look at that bottom turn, dude. How sick is that? Looks like current. So (laughs) on this next wave, I think it's the next wave, he gets a 10 on it. In the middle of the wave, he. Soul arches a high line like in the middle of doing a bunch of turns and getting barreled. Good, he gets this high line section and just puts his hands behind his back and soul arches. More
0: people should do that in a heat. I know in a QS event. That's what the wave it's called so for. Rad.
1: It was exactly dance, dance
0: with the partner
1: and they gave him a 10 for it.
0: Good, but not for the soul arch. I, I'm officially a fan. I don't know who this guy is, but I have seen footage of him recently you know they've had an insane run of swell on the Gold Coast oh yeah and there's some footage of some sandbar I think it's Stratty Island Um, or who knows it could be Greenmount it's just some mental session and it's Mick Fanning and there's a couple waves of him and um, I don't know where I saw it I'll try to find it for you but I'm a fan I'm a big fan, although I will say that he didn't look so good in, at the sandbar no, <laughs> relative really? to Mick Fanning. Like they well, showed sure. like four waves of Mick Fanning, and then they showed Heath, and you're like, oh, bring back Mick.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think Heath will ever qualify, but this surfing, when you see him where he should be surfing, like points, like yeah. J-Bay, yeah. it's undeniable. The kid yeah. just rips. And again, rad to see a young qs warrior surfing like this yeah not no. even
0: trying to do an air i don't even think he's a qs warrior i just think he, he has
1: a... no he has been i've been following him for years oh, okay so he has been look at this thing
0: oh soul archer that's that's the perfect move right there good really for him so
1: that's my musty moment the footage is two years old but again i was reminded because i saw him at uh the australian open of surfing and he actually did really well i think he made it to like round five or the quarters or oh, something cool. like so, that So he
0: is involved in so. the qs on a
1: He is, but he's sponsorless. And he was saying like, dude, I can't afford to do this. I'm here because it's Australian. If I make some money, maybe I'll go to the next one. Um, So from the archives, that's something for you to look at on surfsplendorpodcast.com. My duke also comes from the Australian Open of Surfing. This is a goofy footed, unsponsored Tahitian who surfed his way to second place. Wow. Yeah. His name's Matea Hickley. He took out Mick Fanning twice. He beat Mick Fanning in a non-elimination round. And everybody was like, "Well, that was amazing. But And Mick was on point, too. Mick was surfing well, and this kid beat Mick. And they go, well, that was interesting, but it was a non-elimination round, so Mick probably didn't bring his A game. They got matched up again later in an elimination round. He smoked Mick again. Wow. This kid's unreal. He's like a 19-year-old Tahitian, goofy-footed surfer, pretty good English. He actually entered the event, and then his parents... There was a mistake where his parents emailed the event organizers and said hey he's nursing this injury what's going to happen if he uh can't compete you know do we get our money back or whatever the event organizers thought that they were withdrawing him from the event so they took his name out of the event the kid flew to australia showed up for the event and goes hey my name's not on the draw what's up they go oh we got this email from your parent there was a misunderstanding now he's an alternate so the kid flew to australia was put on the alternate list mistakenly waited his turn thankfully a couple i think dylan perillo or something didn't show up for the event so he got bumped into the event where he should have been in the first place surfed all the way through to the final beating mcfanning twice rags to riches story and it's unreal he was an amazing surfer that's my dupe. cool very good want to hear my kook sure my kook I'm ashamed to say Beach Grit is my kook this week. Oh,
0: my. What what did they do wrong? They were your best friend. They're our friends, dude. But
1: (laughs) I got to call them out for a little hypocrisy. Uh Uh, Chaz Smith penned an open letter to Graham Stapleberg slash the WSL uh, because... He doesn't like him, does he? (laughs) No, he doesn't.
0: (laughs) That's too bad. So in
1: this open letter, he's asking why... Uh, The WSL pulled a heat on demand of Chaz and Paul Evans where they were commentating the Swatch Women's Pro event. Chaz and Paul Evans were in the booth commentating this event, having a grand old time, drinking beers, saying whatever came to their mind. (laughs) It it became... An internet sensation. It got more views than any other heat, of sure, course. Sure. And people were watching it repeatedly. Like people said, like, hey, I've watched this heat five times because it's so hilarious. Well, the powers that be took down this only this one heat. They took it off the website, forbidding people from watching it in all its splendor. Well, Chaz pens this open letter and it's like, dude, what's up with you guys taking this thing off? You know, let the people see it. The people want to see it. Well. The reason why they're my kook is a day before Chaz posted this, Beach Grit had posted two interviews with Dane Reynolds, audio interviews. They were an hour and a half long, much like our beloved podcast platform here. Hour and a long, hour and a half long audio interviews with Dane Reynolds. I listened to the first one. I was looking forward to listening to the second one when I logged on the next day. They were vanished from Be- Beach Grit's website. Why? That's what I want to know. Okay. Everybody has their master. I have a feeling <laughs> I have a feeling they published No, I think Dane might have
0: I uh, just said that's not cool. Well,
1: the interviews were from a couple years ago. It seems like they recorded the interviews to transcribe them into text for Stab back in the day. And they
0: just sat in some of Derek Riley's desk and they found them a couple of weeks ago. I think
1: I think Derek's came across them and it's like, "Hey, these things are really cool. We should post these on our website." They posted them and I think Dane probably said Hey, man, that wasn't cool. That wasn't supposed to be an audio interview. And Dane was talking about money and Quicksilver and some stuff that was, could be seen as controversial. Mm. And they got pulled from Beach Groot's website. So my kook is just like, hey, you guys are complaining about the WSL pulling down your interview or your thing. Yet 24 hours later, you guys are pulling down something that you originally posted. Everybody has their master. Right. Dane was their master but I do love Beach Grit and by the way I like that they're posting audio interviews now they've done a couple that are really good so. it could
0: be a thing that where um, you know Dane agreed to talk to Derek but it was off the record or there were certain aspects of yes. the conversation that were off the record and Derek didn't respect that or they posted it without editing the audio file yes. and so they said you know what I gotta you know Dane's calling me and he's right and this is wrong totally. whereas with the WSL thing, somebody gave them the um, go-ahead to do the commentary, right? Right. It was a WSL Women's QS. I'm not sure what it whatever was. Whatever it was. But yeah. somebody said, you're good to go. Turn on your mics. You're good to go. Just you know, be careful. Right. And um, and it was fine for a long period of time. Right. And now it's not fine because I guess the WSL and Chaz are are at, at odds. Right. So... So it's kind of apples and oranges, the thing that you're arguing about.
1: You're questioning my kook? I am. Dude. You didn't even bring a kook. (laughs) How's that for hypocrisy? The ultimate hypocrisy. No, I love Beach Grid anyways, uh, and we're cool, but I was just You know who my
0: kook is? Me. Yes. Oh, shocking. (laughs) My kook is you because you sent me an email Uh a couple weeks ago saying, hey, I've got a skip fry. A friend of mine's got a skip fry who wants to sell me. and. And I go, yeah, you know, that thing's worth about this amount of money. Yeah. And I end up getting an email from the same guy saying, Hey guys, I've got this skip fry. That what how's that a kook move? I, I thought if he was addressing both of us, maybe I could be in on purchasing I would have loved to have bought that skip fry. Well you still can. No, he sold it to oh, he um did. he sold it to Bird Surfshed for I se- didn't seven, say- 750 bucks.
1: Oh, that's a smoking deal. I
0: know. I would have bought it for eight hundred bucks.
1: Well his mistake then. Uh, here's the thing. He emailed me asking for a price. I wasn't sure. So I emailed you and said, what's the fair price? I'm thinking of making an offer. How's that a, how's that a kook move? You're no, just was not, mad because I got the email first. I got you to the punch,
0: dude. I, I just felt like you could have said, Hey, a listener contacted me, but you didn't know he contacted me though. Did you? It, I mean, that's
1: irrelevant to me. Even if he did or didn't, I just said, what's the fair price for this? I'm thinking of making an offer.
0: Yeah. Right yeah i guess i if i would have known that i had an opportunity to bid on it i would have said you know what i'm gonna make them an offer well i'm not gonna
1: offer you something that i want to buy you figure it out for
0: yourself i would have said just figure it out for yourself by the way speaking of that yeah um i do want to mention that we do have the vintage surf auction coming up in september in los angeles it's to benefit the surfing heritage and culture center here and the cystic fibrosis foundation and um If you've got a really nice surfboard that you think is worthy of being in the auction and you want to put it on consignment and sell it at the auction, I'm certainly interested in looking at it. Um, Bear in mind, there's only going to be about 40 boards in this auction and we only take top shelf stuff. So this isn't like, you know, your your $1,500 surfboard. This is like your $8,000 surfboard, you know. So if you've got some nice stuff... Um, you can certainly figure out a way to get a hold of how me how do they get a hold of you probably uh, scott.bass at surfingheritage.org wow scott.bass at surfingheritage.org <laughs> um, if you got a board send some pictures with some insight um, but don't send any crap I'm only we're only interested in the high quality stuff
1: laid down the gauntlet, dude. No crap. Well, you know, because I mean, you'll get a flood of
0: people going, Hey, I got this old long, you know, but you never know. Some of that stuff is a gem and people don't know about it too. So So I
1: got one closing thought. There was one review left on iTunes this week from Island Brian who said a lot of nice things, gave a five-star rating, but his closing comment was, quote, the show is refreshing and often reminds me to keep my good karma in check, unquote. And I thought that was really interesting and nice. Like, among the things that we do on this show, I don't expect um, it to inspire people to keep their good karma in check. But I thought that was worth sharing with you because it is. warmed my heart a little. It bit. It warms
0: my heart too, yeah. and, and you should, and we all should. You know, um, I think the world needs a little bit, uh, a lot, a big dose of humility. You know, humility is that state of being in a teachable place. You know, to be able to listen and to learn from everybody, and to not let um, our egos and our pride. Move us away from that, you know, and that's a constant struggle for me, and I think it's probably a constant struggle for a lot of us. And um, you know, we claim progress rather than perfection.
1: Mm. I love it. I love it.
0: Yeah, man. Should I I get us out of here
1: with some music? No, you should just say goodbye. Uh, I don't want to hear the Almond Brothers today. Oh
0: my God, that is so wrong. How about this? Howlin' Wolf. Uh, I guess that's it for the show, David. Uh, yes, it my is. email surf talk San Diego. Sorry. Surftalksandiego <laughs> surf at gmail.com. And you are hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com. And we'll be back here in a couple of weeks, which will probably be right around the start of. Yeah, Snapper. The Quicksilver Pro at Snapper Rocks, the Gold Coast. I think it should be a couple days into it. Yeah, so um, get your fantasy surfer teams geared up. and yeah. And, uh, and uh, what's, our fan- our what's our club? Our club is Surf Splendor. Surf Splendor. Just do a search for Surf Splendor. On com. Now, David and I, we're going to have to have a little bit of a bet going. At least you I and agree. I. You and I got to have some cash on the table. Let's do it. All right, so what, like $100? bucks?
1: we will figure it out. All right. I don't think it needs to be cash. I mean, I'm cool with cash, but it could be something, I don't know, a surfboard or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll,
0: figure we'll, figure we'll figure it out. Whatever, whatever. We'll figure it out. Yeah. All right. So until next uh, time, two weeks from now, uh, adios and aloha.
1: All right. Thank you, as always, Scott, for co hosting the show. And thank you, listeners, as always, for tuning in. I also encourage you to check out everything that we discussed in today's episode. It is all on SurfSplendorPodcast.com. The Dukes, the Kooks, all the videos, links to the actual articles, everything in detail. So check that out. Waste some time there. And then, of course, you can continue this conversation either on our website or on social media, where you'll find us at Surf Splendor on Instagram and Twitter and of course Facebook and that's kind of a cool way to share the show as well you can tag other people in our post repost our things on your Facebook wall whatever that helps your friends to find the show alright I believe that is all I'm working on a really kind of cool episode for next week so I will leave it at that but encourage you to tune back in uh, Monday, Tuesday early in the week and I'll have that posted for you alright thank you as always for tuning in. Until next week, this is your host of Surf Splendor, David Scales saying, Shred On. Blue